Hello, Digital Cathedral family. Brace yourselves for an awe-inspiring journey on Don Keithley's podcast. Take a seat, find your comfort, and let's plunge into the heart of the divine. Here's the exciting new October 8th message titled, No Bible, Now What? Good morning, everybody. Glad you're with me today. Hope you had a wonderful week, wonderful weekend, and things are going well in your life. I'm glad you're with me this morning because last Sunday morning we started on a little journey that's probably going to take me, I don't know how long, at least 10 or 12 weeks, I'm sure, maybe longer. Uh, it's, a, it's a journey. So let me just say this. If you, did, if you didn't listen last week, I want you to go back and listen to the teaching from last week because every week we're going to be building for the next foreseeable future on what we have done the previous week. I'm not calling it a series. I'm not, it's not part one, part two, part three. It's just a continuation. It's going to be line upon line, precept upon precept, and what we're going to be doing is taking the things that we have already learned through uh, grace, the revelation of grace, a radical, hyper-grace kind that is free from law and stipulation, religious standards, things we've learned about the unconditional love of God that has no conditions. I know most of you have been conditioned to understand the unconditional love of God as having conditions of obedience and dedication and giving your money and all those kind of things. Apart from that, things we've learned about the finished work of the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, everything was finished, there's nothing more to add to it, he completed all, reconciled the entire cosmos uh, to himself, not imputing men's trespasses against them at any point in time. So we're going to use all those things and we're going to build on these and we're going to discover some things as we go along that I think are going to aid you in a very practical way. I'm a very practical guy. If it doesn't work, I'm not interested. So we're going to get into some very practical things over the next several weeks based on the foundation of what we've already learned that's going to help you to learn how to be part of what God is doing in the earth today, which I think is well described in, in uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 21, which is the restoration of all things that have been spoken by the prophets. It's a setting back into order, creation, the way that God designed it. So we're going to get some revelation, some understanding, I do believe, on how to live out of the sufficiency of, and, and we could use several terms, how we can learn to live out of the sufficiency of the garden that is in our heart. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden, there was everything in the garden they would ever need. All they had to do was, was go out and, and partake in it. They got messed up by going to the wrong tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, rather than the tree of life, tree of logic, the tree of, of what seems best, the tree of decision-making, rather than just stay at the tree of life, which is the tree of simple, simply responding to what the voice within tells us. So we're going to learn to live out of the sufficiency of that garden, or we could call it the kingdom of God that is within, or feeding on the tree of life, or living from the Christ as us life, the Christ that is within us. So this tree of life, this Christ as us life, has already given, as we talked about last week, has already given to us all things. In fact, there's some scripture, and you know me, every week I, I use scripture. I'm just a scripture kind of guy. I, 
I may not read a whole ton of other books, but I, I have spent my time in your book, and I do know what the book says. I, I love this. I, I didn't see this for years. If I'd seen this years ago, I probably would have done a whole lot different teaching. But listen to this. We're talking about living out of the sufficiency that God has already given to us. Listen to this. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of, of, of uh, God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's not an intellectual knowledge. That's a revelation knowledge. That's a deeper than <clears throat> knowledge in what your five physical senses feed you. He, so, he says, grace and peace be multiplied. So over the next weeks, we're going to multiply grace and peace. Now watch. As his divine power has given to us, present tense, everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness through this knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which we have by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, but by these through these you may be a partaker of the divine nature. Brother, we could sit right on those, those two or three verses for weeks. Do you see what he said there? He said that he's already given to you everything that pertains to life and godliness. That pretty well covers everything. Then he says, I've given you promises. What he speaks to you out of the tree of life, not necessarily out of, the, out of the book. He can speak to you out of the book, but I think the real word of God that comes to you is the word that he speaks to you personally that rises up within you. He said he's given us these precious promises, and then he puts us in an entirely different realm of consciousness, and he says, by these promises, you're going to be a partaker of the divine nature. Well, you know, when you're a partaker of the divine nature, it's not a little dabble do you. It's not a little dabble do you. Dating myself, that's an old bro cream commercial from years and years ago. When you get just, you can't get just a little bit of the divine nature. You get some of it, you got all of it. It's like being pregnant. You can't be a little pregnant. Either you are or you aren't. When it comes to the divine nature, either you have it or you don't have it. And he right there said that we are partaker of the divine nature. Colossians 2.9 says that in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything that the Godhead represents was packed into this one man, Jesus. Then the next verse, verse 10 says, and you are complete in him. So this morning, I, I'm, I'm just wanting you to see, and we're going to be talking about some things uh, this morning, let me say in an incomplete form because of where I'm going over the next weeks. I'm just, I'm just building. I'm just building on this. But I want you to come to see this morning that everything that you ever need in life has already been deposited in your account. When God created in six days, whether it was six literal days, 6,000 years, six billion years, I don't, I'm not really fussy about that. The point is when he finished creation at the end of the sixth day and he rested on the seventh, at that point, everything that would ever be needed by anybody at any time in any place was already created. Now we got a little problem with that, which I'm gonna get into in just, just a minute, but just let that settle in. Everything that you'll ever need is already there. It's already been given to you. He has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and he's in, enabled you to, to tap into that because you're a partaker of the divine nature. <clears throat> so what we're coming to see is this, that we're learning to live out of the one life. You can call it the kingdom life, the Christ is us life, the tree of life, whatever you want. We're learning to live that, we're learning to see that there's only one life. 
that his plan, his intention was to take and to absorb you into his life. You'll always have distinction. I'm not saying you lose distinction. You don't lose your personality. You don't lose the sense of being. But it, Paul says it like this. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. No division. No separation. Absolutely not. Get that, get that concept deep within yourself. There's one life, one mind, one power, one presence, one authority, one tree. And we're learning how to tap into that. Now, this is all new for most of us. Most of us have lived a life of duality, not of, not of oneness, not of union. <clears throat> for example, most of you that are watching the Di Digital Cathedral come from some kind of evangelical background, Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, uh, Methodist, I mean, that whole field. Some of you were Catholics, and I'm not sure if this applies to you necessarily, although it probably does. But there was a time in your life that you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, right? You prayed the prayer, you got water baptized, whatever, went through the, the church ceremony, accepted you into membership, and you were living for Jesus. That was two lives. You were living for him, your life, his life. <clears throat> then maybe as you matured and progressed along a little bit, there was a, a, a period of time that you saw that he was living through you. But it was still two lives. It was your life and his life being lived through you. Now we're coming to a place of understanding and revelation where we were, are seeing that he is living his life as you and you are living your life as him. That's heavy. That's deep. So there's no longer two lives. There's one life. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a little frog in my throat. So we're learning how to, how to navigate out of this one life, one mind, one power. Understanding that as we do, everything has been given to us. We partake in the same nature that he has. In fact, Galatians 2.20 says that you were crucified with Christ. One, crucified together. Second, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5.14, don't quote me on that. It says that if one died for all, then all died. See, oneness. Uh, the other scripture that comes to mind is Colossians 3.3 3, that says you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you see the oneness there? Jesus said this. He said, in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you. It's no longer two. No longer three. It's one with distinction. All right. You never lose your distinction, but there's that oneness. In the garden, it, the tree of life, the Christ is us life, you find that you don't lack for anything, that everything has already been provided well for you. There's nothing that can hold from you everything that has been given to you. And we just read, we just read, read in the book <laughs> that it's everything that pertains to life and godliness. Do you know why? Why? Why that can be? Because the one life that, that you live with him, with Jesus, Jesus and you are one, as he is, the, the Apostle John said, as he is, so are we in this world. D do you know why that's all possible? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. 
Now let that, just think about that. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Anything else that has authority has been assigned authority by us because he's got it all. If he has it all, what does that leave any other entity? What does that leave them with any authority? It, if, if, there's, if there's any other authority, then it's because you and I have assigned an authority to it by determining back at the wrong tree something that is good, something that is evil, something that is right, something that is wrong. And we've empowered that, and it's grown in our mind, grown in our consciousness. And we've created such a large... I mean, this, that's where the devil comes from. The devil has no authority. Whatever you think the devil is, he, I can guarantee. I can guarantee he's not a little guy running around with a red suit with a long tail and and pointed ears carrying a pitchfork. There, there is no such creature. There is no such creature. Whatever, whatever you want to think the devil is, he has no authority because Jesus said he had it all. But we create in our minds because we assign good and evil, right and wrong, to things. And then we give them power, and it gets so big. Some people have such a, a, a power created in their mind that they actually, they actually war against it. They call it spiritual warfare. They come against it. They bind it. They, 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 they put it under their feet. They you know, pray loud to try to get a hold of it and get dominion over it. It has no authority. There's only one authority. And you are one with that one authority which means now that you can begin to live out of that one authority. Now, I read a scripture at the end of the teaching last week, and I want to go back and just hit it again because I think it, it illustrates so well exactly what we're talking about. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. This is a, this is a great story that, I mean, this just nails it right down. If you, can, if you can get this one, this is a good passage of scripture and meditate. It really is. Matthew chapter 14. Let me pick it up with verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat that he sent the disciples out in was in the middle of the sea and was being tossed by the waves because the wind was contrary. That means they were out there in the middle of a storm. <clears throat> now, on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. <laughs> that tells me who's got some authority right there. He's walking on the sea. I mean, he's walking on these, these waves that are being driven by the wind. So it wasn't like walking across a swimming pool, as if you could walk across a swimming pool. But he's walking on the waves. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. It's me. Hang on. Don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come on. And when Peter got down out of the boat, he actually walked on the water to Jesus. But. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had got into the boat, the wind 
ceased. Now, this is an amazing story. How much authority does Jesus have? We, if, you don't, if you don't believe me, check it out. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus said, all authority, all of, all of it's been given to me in heaven and earth. And I won't take time to, to, to expound on it. But in the next verse, he says, now you go, therefore. In other words, he's, he's saying, I'm giving, all authority has been given to me, but I'm, I'm giving it to you. You go, therefore, in the authority that I have that is now your authority. So there's one authority. It's what I have imparted to you. So Jesus had all authority. And every natural force was subject to him. He was walking on the waves. Let me put it this way. He's walking on top of the problem. He was demonstrating that he had the resource to meet the need. So in the story, from Jesus' perspective, how much power did the, did the wind and the waves have? They had none. They were subject to the one in whom all authority had been vested. Let me say it like this. The spiritual, the tree of life, when the tree of life speaks, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what appears is subject to that which is spiritual. So what was it that enabled Peter to walk on the water? It was a word from the tree of life. It was a, a word from God to him that said, come. He was hearing from one tree, tree of life. He responded. I've told you time and time again, the tree of life is simply the tree of responding to the voice that is within. So the voice told Peter, come on, you can walk on the water. And he jumped out of the boat and he was actually walking on the water. Now we read in the story that Peter began to sink. Why did he begin to sink? He switched trees. He, looked, he began to look at circumstances. He, he looked at what his five senses were feeding to him, and he made a decision to eat from the wrong tree. He looked around. He saw the waves. He, he, he heard the wind, and he decided, this, this ain't going to work. Now, I believe with all my heart, for what it's worth, that Peter could have walked on the water completely to Jesus. They could have turned around and walked back to the boat together. When, when Jesus is your life, <clears throat> he is not separated from you. When, when you eat from the tree of life, you're responding to the word that says, come on, you come. You don't have to worry about the wind. You don't have to worry about the waves. You don't have to worry about the circumstances. Some of you this morning may be facing some very adverse circumstances. What I'm saying to you this morning is that you just need to get a word that says, come on. Whatever the word that he speaks to you, just respond to it. You don't have to be subject to the wind. You don't have to be subject to the waves, the circumstances, the things that's, that appear to be so adverse to what you desire. You're not subject to those. You're walking in a different realm of consciousness where everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been deposited into your account. Man, I'm so tempted to jump ahead about six weeks. I want to talk to you about how to draw from that account, how to bring from the invisible into the visible. Right? Jesus is your life. All you need is to eat from the tree of life, the tree of response. It's, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not difficult. It's, the hard part is, is starting. It's beginning to quiet yourself to get in tune to what is going on within. 
and coming to a place in your understanding, in your consciousness, if you will, that you are absolutely complete in him, that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you as much as it dwelled in Jesus because of your completeness in him. Now, never mistake, everything I teach is about you being in him, him being in you. I'm not saying that you're God. If you think you're God, spin a planet off, create a tree, do something. <laughs> Show me. I, I, I hear people all the time saying that they are God. No, you're not God. You're a chip off the old block. You're a cup out of the ocean, but you're not the whole ocean and you're not the whole block. Are, are we walking together? So last, last Sunday morning, we spent the whole time on you have it all. The garden within, the tree of life, the Christ is us life. <clears throat> now, I'm, this is going to mess you up. I'm probably going to say this a couple times this morning because this is, this is going to rock your boat. This is, this is going to mess with your head because of your religious background. We read, we read it together from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, that he has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now, look me in the eye. I'm going to tell you something. God is not in the business of giving you anything. Are you with me? What he wants to do through the spirit of truth is to open your eyes to what you already possess. And he wants to teach us how to tap into what we already possess. People get so frustrated with prayer because they pray what seems right to them, what seems good, and then they open their eyes and there's nothing that appears. There's nothing that manifests. Maybe we've been traveling down the wrong road on some level. See, so this week, I want to nail down where it is, where all this is that you already possess, where it's located. Where is it? If I am complete and entire, wanting nothing, then where's the stuff? Why isn't it appearing? Oh, man, I want, to, I want to jump ahead so bad. All right, let me give you just a couple of scriptures. Where's it at? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18 says, Well, we look not at the things that are seen. That's the tree of knowledge, good and evil. We look at the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen, the verse says, are temporal. In other words, they're subject to change. They're, they're not the same tomorrow as they are today. Next week, the circumstance will be different. So we don't look at that. We look not at the things that are seen. We don't look at the lack. We don't look at the sickness. We don't, those are all subject to change. They're temporary. We look at the unseen, which are not temporary, which are eternal. So the verse says, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are temporary. The only reality there is are those things that are unseen. The unseen is way more powerful than the seen. The unseen does not vacillate. All right, let me read a couple. Let me go 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Boy, we're, gonna lay, we're laying some stuff down. Right? You can't miss any of the digital cathedral the next week's, brother, because we're, sister, because we're going to get into some stuff. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse Verse 9 says this, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Do you love him this morning? I know you do, or you wouldn't be here. Don't ever question that. You're pursuing that. That's evidence. But eyes not seen it, ear hasn't heard it, 
It hasn't entered into your natural heart, the things which God has prepared, but God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. You cannot see in that dimension with your physical eyes. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God, for what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God that is in him. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world. We, we're not living by the Spirit of perception, natural perception, eyesight, e what the ears hear, what the nose smells, what the mouth tastes, what the fingers touch. We're not in that dimension. We're coming out of that dimension because we're coming to a higher place. I just heard somebody shout amen. But we... But we have the Spirit which is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You didn't work for it. You didn't, you didn't gin up enough faith for it. You didn't, you didn't press in to the things of God to deserve it. They were freely given to us by God. These things also we speak in words. Not a man's wisdom but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, as long as you're in that dimension, eating from the tree of life, not tapped into the kingdom of God, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him because he can't know them because they're, they're spiritually discerned. That 14th verse is, is a powerful verse. All right, how about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says this. It says, we walk by faith and not by sight. So what we're doing here, these first couple of weeks, I'm pulling you out of your natural perceptions. I'm pulling you out of your five physical senses. And I'm saying to you that God has provided everything you'll ever need. He's created. It's already in, in existence. You just can't see it with your eyes. But there's a way you can tap into it. We're going to get into that. See, faith is not this mysterious mist, this Casper the Friendly Ghost kind of floating around, you know, all kind of strange and eerie. When you really begin to see, this makes total spiritual sense. Listen, faith is to our spirit what our five physical senses are to our minds, to our natural understanding. Faith is to is to our spirit what the senses are to the body the source of understanding the pipeline that creates our reality the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god because he's fed by natural senses and he said they're spiritually discerned we don't walk by sight we walk by faith now the rub comes here here's the rub we can't see it Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith brings substance and evidence to the table. The problem is you can't see it. And because we're so accustomed, we've been so uh, uh, driven, culture has driven us to only believe. I'll believe it when I see it, right? That's, that's what we've been groomed since birth to be reality. I'm telling you, that's not reality. It doesn't make it any less real just because you can't see it. See, there's only one tree that grows in your heart. You're a new creation, the Bible says. If any man's in Christ, you are in Christ. He put you there before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1.4. I'm getting to feel like Jack Van Impey. You always got to say the, the address. <clears throat> I'm, 
you know, I, I feel like I got to do that for all you Bible people so that I, it's legal. You, you, if it's in the Bible, then it's true. So I, I've got so many, I, I know the scriptures so much that I can just, I, you know, I throw them out. There's only one tree that grows in your heart, and that's the tree of life. The Christ is us life. All of Jesus' authority, every miracle that he ever created, when he fed, when he fed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, 5,000 5, men, they had a wife, two kids, that's 20,000 people. When he turned the water into wine, when he told the uh, fishermen to throw the nets on the other side of the boat and, and the nets filled up with fish, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, all those things happened because Jesus could pull from the unseen to the seen. Now, what if you were able to do that? What if you were... All authority has been given to Jesus. He says, take my authority and go. That's what I want you to do. He took from what you could not see and pulled it by faith, his being convinced that he was the completeness of the Father, that he was one with the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Are you bold enough to say that yet? Seen me, you've seen the Father. Are you bold enough? Are, are, are you convinced of the oneness, the union, the life that you have with the Father, where you can say, at least internally, if people see me, they've seen the Father. I can meet that need. I know how to handle this situation. That unseen, that's our realm of abundance. And if I get nothing else done in my lifetime, I, I want to be able to help people to tap into that dimension to pull from what you can't see into what you can see see we're highly trained highly trained to eat the same way that people that don't know anything of what we're talking about we call them unbelievers we eat the same tree they do and they're pretty good at it by natural perceptions they're smart they're logical there's i don't care who you are there's somebody out there that's smarter and more logical than what you are and if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna compete from that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, you're gonna compete all your life. But you got a leg up. When you eat from the tree of life, you are tapped into the eternal source of wisdom Himself, who lives within you. Think about that. You are the temple of God. It's not down there at the brick and mortar building. You are the temple of God. He fully dwells within you. The omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent one dwells in you. That old tree of the knowledge of good and evil doesn't even grow in your, doesn't even grow in your recreated heart, your new creation heart. You got, for you to, to tap into that, you got to get an outside stimulus from someplace, a picture, a report, an experience to feed on, and that's what caused you to become disappointed. That's what caused you to think God's not really working in all this, that I'm, I'm missing it somehow, that I must be less than what I should be. See, religion taught you to judge by the seeing of the eyes, to live out of the natural. Here's what religion taught you. See if this isn't true. All you Baptist people, all you charismatic, Pentecostal people. They taught you to live out of the natural, but try to get into the spiritual. That the spiritual is something you had to try to move, move into. As a result of that, you've got this little bitty shriveled up tree of life that you've never watered, never fertilized, never picked any fruit off of. And you have never lived from there just because you can't see something. 
Let me say it again. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not real. I'm sitting here in, in my study at home where I do all the digital cathedrals. I got another place where I do the Wednesday night secret place, but I do, do the Sunday mornings right here. And while I'm sitting here, there's all kind of frequencies flowing through here. ABC, CBS, NBC, ESPN, the Weather Channel. It's radio set. They're all going through here. Can you see them? No. You can't see it. But if I leave here and I go to my little uh, theater here in the house where I got my big screen, I watch all my ball games on. If I go in there, I can flip a switch and what was unseen all of a sudden is seen. Just because I couldn't see it didn't mean it, it didn't exist. If you, if you flip your TV on, it's going, to bring, it's going to bring that signal, that frequency right into visibility. I believe you have the TV spiritually to bring into the visible world that which is invisible. Nobody's taught you how. I'm going to teach you how next week's. I believe we're going to discover that our consciousness, our awareness, when it is raised to the right frequency, the right position, you will see what you did not see before. He wouldn't have told us he'd given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He wouldn't have completed creation and said, it's now completed. Jesus wouldn't have said, it is finished, if there was more we had to do. Now just think about this scripture this week. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I'm, I'm, I know I'm adjusting some of your thinking this morning, your perceptions. Everything comes out of spirit. But until you know that spirit is more real, more stable, more powerful than what you see, then what you hear, we're not going anywhere with this. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil feeds on facts. The tree of life feeds on truth. The fact today might be you have a lack. The fact today is your body may be hurting. But the truth is you have no lack. The truth is you are healed. The truth is you are whole. Which you tap into shows which tree you're eating from. As a man thinks in his heart, he becomes. You want to change your life, change your thoughts. Thoughts are like seed that falls into your heart and they produce and eventually you'll speak it out your mouth. So last week, we spent the entire hour showing that you already possess everything. So let me say it again this morning with emphasis. God is not in the business of giving you anything. He's in the business of awakening the spirit that is within you and opening the eyes that are within you, not your physical eyes, to see all that he has already given to you apart from your works apart from your efforts, apart from your knowledge of good and evil. See, this is where your grace training that we've spent so much time talking about grace. I've got so many videos on YouTube about grace. You've got to really get a handle on grace. 
If he has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness, what else can he give us? Let me, let me put it another way. I like, I like the way Paul said it in Romans chapter 8. Let's check this out. I hope you're being convinced this morning of some things that maybe you've never been convinced about, or at least you're, at least you're contemplating it. You're weighing it out. Watch this. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave you the best he had in Jesus. So if he, if he gave you the absolute best, <laughs> then everything less than the best is included in the package of the best. How shall he not with him, because everything is complete in him, how shall he not freely give us? Freely, freely, free. that's where great, grace, grace, grace. That divine influence that creates effortless change as you rest in him. Creates change all around us, not just within you, although tremendous change within you, but it changes everything around you, the circumstances, the perceptions. So this week we're saying, where is it? All of it is flowing in the unseen. All of it is flowing out of, it's in the garden. It's in the kingdom. Remember, remember what Jesus said? He said, seek first the kingdom. The kingdom is within you. Jesus said, lo, the kingdom is within you. Seek first that which is within, and all these things will be added to you. Colossians 3, 2. I mean, let me just hit a couple more verses that I'm, I'm thinking about right now. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. So set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. That, that means higher consciousness. Set your mind on a higher level, on a higher consciousness. Elevate your vibration. Set your mind on what it is that you have, what it is you possess. Don't let depression. See, depression is earthly. Uh, every negative force. The, the, all the works of the flesh, they're, they're earthly, they're negative. But the love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, that's what raises the vibration. That was the, that's what raises your ability to see. Right, let, me give, let me give you another one. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This has been some good stuff today. I've about done preach myself happy. <laughs> Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So you've already got every, every spiritual blessing. Spiritual is what you don't see. That's the realm that it flows in. Let me just, let me just reiterate. The spirit... The unseen is loaded with everything that has to do with your life in any way, shape, or form. Your finances, your health, your well-being, your emotional stability. So we've been over here eating at the wrong tree. We've been eating at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We've been trying to figure this thing all out by reason and logic and what seems right. Trying to make decisions and choices for ourselves. We've been all frustrated because it seemed like nothing's working. We're not getting any results. We're praying. God seems like God's closed the heavens. There's no substitute for the wisdom of God. There's no substitute for what he speaks to you. 
What that small voice says when you get quiet, learn to still yourself. That takes some practice for some of you because your head is so full of noise. He's gonna, the Word of God is what he speaks to you. This is what man calls the Word of God, all right? It's, it's see, I just, I've only got a New Testament because I spend 90% of my time in the New Testament. <clears throat> this never calls itself the Word of God. This is what man has assigned to it so that he can say this is what it says and it's absolute. Let me tell you something. God's, God's not boxed into a book. He's going to speak to you. Some of us have been like the Pharisees with Scripture, thinking if we can just get enough scriptural keys, if we can just get enough scriptural understanding, then we can figure things out. That's just a sophisticated way of going around to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus told the, script, told the Pharisees that life is not in the Scripture. Can I, can I read it for you? I should just keep my Bible open as much as I've been reading it this morning. This this one of those days when I just sense I need to just kind of back all this up because I understand I'm plowing new ground for many of you. You've never considered these things before. John chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus said to the Pharisees, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. One source of life. It ain't your Bible. It's Jesus. Now, don't, don't get mad at me. Some of you are going to click off in just a minute. Don't get mad at me. But I want to ask you a question. It's the title of the teaching this morning. This is important. How much would you know? How much would you believe if you didn't have a Bible? You know me. I'm a Bible guy. I'm a Jesus guy. I'm a Christocentric guy. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of things in Bible I've never seen before. But how much would you know? And more importantly, what direction would your life take if you did not have a Bible? We possess all things, right? We've gone through that this morning. They're in an unseen world. We've gone through that this morning. And to bring them into the seen world does not happen by reading your Bible. This book has one purpose. Jesus said it in that, in that 40th verse. He said, these are they which speak of me. The, the purpose of this book is to drive you to Jesus. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, to Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He is the living water. He's the bread of life. Right? This, this book is not to create another tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's how we've used it. We've used the Bible to say, oh, this is good, this is evil, this is right, this is wrong. We've, we've made this, well, in addition to being the fourth member of the Godhead, fourth member of the Trinity, I mean, this is the word of God, brother. No, it never says that. These men spoke with some inspiration, but I'm speaking with inspiration this morning, and I can tell you that I'm not infallible and I'm not inerrant, and neither is this. What you're after is the word that he speaks to you. Perhaps we have, we have all things, and they're in an unseen world, and to bring them into the seen world is going to require that we come to him 
Jesus said, you wouldn't come to me that you might have life. What would we do if we didn't have a Bible to give us the knowledge of good and evil? What, what would we do if we didn't have a, a, a Bible that excluded other people, that judged other people, that created separation, that put fear in people, that presented this angry judicial deity? That's all tree of the knowledge of good and evil stuff that we pulled out of there and then determined if it was right, wrong, good, or evil. I'll tell you what, if you, if you stay right there, you're never going to tap the unseen. 1,500 years of history have proven that. We've not been very productive the last 1,500 years, but because of, of the message that is hitting the planet today, there's a reformation going on all over the planet, y'all. There's a pouring out of grace and unconditional love and inclusion and mercy that endures forever. We're understanding now there's nothing that remains in the unseen that we can't pull into the scene to meet whatever need that we have. How do we get this massive possession of all things out of the unseen into the seen manifestation? We're going to get there. That's why I want you here every week for the next 12, 14 weeks. I don't know how long it's going to take. I'm not even going to guess. We started last week. You have it all. This week, we've laid down the foundation that it's there, it's in the unseen. So let's, this morning, let's just raise, raise our awareness to two things. I want you to raise your awareness and your belief to possessing all things. You need nothing. You need nothing. You don't need another person. You don't need another book. You're tapped into the one that is greater than you are. That's number one. Number two, let's raise our awareness to the tree of life that shows us the spirit, that shows us the unseen world is greater, has more power, and will, will ultimately supply every need into what we see from what we can't see. There's one life, his life, and you're tapped into it. There's one creator. And you are one with him. You're in union with him. He has taken us and he has brought us into his life. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came, I think, essentially for two reasons. First of all, to dispel every wrong, wrong myth about the Father. There's so, there was so much garbage that was put in the Old Testament about my daddy that just isn't true. He's, he doesn't kill people. He doesn't bash children against the wall. He doesn't destroy. He, did, he doesn't harden people's hearts to, to wreak uh, justice on the unjust. And the second thing he came to do is to show us to us. He came to sit down and example, say, look, here's, here's how I function. Here's how, here's how you are to function. John caught it. When John said, as he is, so are we in this world, he's really saying, look, Jesus is the prototype son of which you are in union with. You are one with him. This is going to get so interesting. This is going to get so rich and so good, you don't want to miss any weeks. Stay up. Listen. Might go back and listen to this stuff a couple times. Uh, I would suggest first time you go through it, you just listen to it. Maybe then you want to go back second time, take some notes, take some bullet points that speak to you, and just meditate. Just, just let it begin to sink in. It'll create your reality in a different way than what you've ever lived before. I guarantee you that he's changing you. But he's not doing it because you're disciplined in your dedication. He's doing it because he loves you and he has poured his grace and his favor into your life. And ain't nothing you can do about it. It's already happened. It's already done. So just sit back and enjoy the trip.
and tell him thank you. Amen? All right, I think that's as far as we want to go this morning. We'll pick it up next week. We'll put another brick in the wall, so don't miss Digital Cathedral next Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Central. And for those of you that are on Facebook, come on over to the Don Keithley ministry page. Join 6,800 people, and we do Wednesday night. We call it the secret place because what we say in the secret place stays in the secret place. We get into some good things there. See you then. See you next week. Have a wonderful week. And understand, everything belongs to you. God bless. Thanks for lending us your ears. Just a quick reminder. Our digital cathedral on YouTube gives subscribers the privilege of a front row seat every week. It's a place where our collective excitement amplifies. If you're ready to give, go to donkeithley.com and click on Donate. Your continuous support propels our growth. And for that, we're immensely grateful. Don't forget to hit that follow button and spread the love by sharing this life-giving message with your friends. Have a week filled with blessings and divine encounters. Until next time, stay in grace.